Welcome, Whovians. This is Woke Doctor Who. This podcast is about race and representation in Doctor Who. If that's not where you're here, bye. But if you are here for passionate discussions about race, gender, sexual orientation, etc., then allons-y. If your kids are any younger than kind of teenaged, this is probably not the place for them. We're not promising to be tame in the future, you guys. Okay, so this is at least a PG-13 podcast. (laughs) At least. Hi, everyone. This is Eugenia and Toya and welcome to Woke Doctor Who. Hi. Hi. So today we have a very special episode. One I've been waiting for a really long time. I'm really excited to record this episode. Yes. And we will be talking about Black Black Panther. We know it has been a long time coming, but I needed this time to come down from my high some. Um, I don't know that I ever will. And so we just decided to go ahead. <laughs> anyway, I still live in Wakanda. Um, and I invite all of you who are not colonizers to come live there with me. <laughs> I think I'm going to live in Wakanda forever. And you can't see me, but I'm doing the salute right now. And and you also cannot see that she's wearing a shirt that says M'Baku's Boo. I am very much wearing a shirt that says M'Baku's Boo. And I'm very excited about it. Um, I love I love Umbaku. Everybody loves Umbaku. Yes. Um, I have decided that Winston Duke is probably the love of my life, even though I've never <laughs> met him. If I had a physical type, he would be it. The only thing that he doesn't have that I love is locks. Oh, so okay. if Winston Duke had locks, I don't think I'd live. I don't think I'd live through it. I think I would have spontaneously combusted when he came on screen. As it is, I just kind of made some kind of noise that can't even be like spelled out. I think I just went like, oh, like (laughs) when he came on screen to which my kid went, really? (laughs) Mind you, I have now seen the movie four times in the theaters and I have made that noise every single time (laughs) he enters the area for the challenge. Like every single time I just go like, Y'all have seen it. Okay. He is amazing. So, okay. Let's just get this out of the way before we continue any further. If you have not seen Black Panther, this episode (laughs) is going to be completely full of spoilers. There is no reason for us two months after the movie has been in movie theaters to try to avoid spoilers. Do not listen to the Black Panther episode <laughs> if you have not seen Black Panther or if you care about being spoiled. Do not listen <laughs> to the Black Panther episode if you have not seen Black Panther or if you care about being spoiled. I'm if miming flashing lights. She really is. If you dare, call, email, tweet, and or Facebook either myself or Eugenia to talk about the spoilers in the Black Panther episode. I swear you will not like the reaction you get. (laughs) Do not listen to this (laughs) if you care about spoilers. Okay, so now we're going to move ahead and actually talk um, about Black Panther. 
and actually, Eugenia and I have been talking about Black Panther for the last two months. Um, ever since the movie has been in theaters, it's still in theaters. Yes. Um, and coming out very soon on demand and on DVD. I will be purchasing every possible iteration of Black Panther. Um, and I'm very excited about that. But we have been having some really in-depth discussions about this movie. What we want to do today is not actually talk you through the movie. So we're not going to talk about the movie shot for shot. Um, we might not even get into talking about all the different African cultures that are reflected in the movie through textiles, through music, through hairstyles, through colors, through accessories, through all of the different ways that Africanness and Blackness are represented in the movie. We're not going to go down a list of how of what that is and how it looks because most of us have now seen the movie, right? What we want to do instead is talk about the reactions to the movies. Mm -hmm. So the movie. So we want to talk about the ways the movie have impacted the culture. And we're going to talk about that in a few different ways. So I will be doing a lot of talking in this episode. I know that I always do a lot of talking, <laughs> so I don't need you to tell me that. Yes. Okay. I talk a whole lot, but I'm going to do a lot of guiding the conversation here simply because I am the black woman um, out of the two of us. And so we want to talk about what this has done for black people, how it's been received by black people. But we also want to talk about how it's been received by non-black people of color. So we want to talk about it from an insider perspective, from an outsider perspective, um, and kind of go at it that way. So that's just a way of kind of we want to frame the conversation for you guys. Um, one of the things I decided when Black Panther came out, and it's a thing I said to Eugenia, was that I'm not going to have any conversations about Black Panther that are not with Black people. I wanted for a while, and that's why this episode took so long for us to record. I wanted to be able to have this Black thing for Black people. I wanted to talk about a movie that was made by Black people for Black people. Now, of course, there were non-Black people all over the place that have seen Black Panther because that's what propelled it to number three movie ever, right? <laughs> so we know that. But what I wanted was the chance that folks of color never get, right? And that is to be completely immersed in our ownness without having to consider the white gaze at all. And that's what I have done up until now. This is my first time um, opening this conversation with me to non-Black people. So I know that we're going to have reaction because most of our listenership is probably not just Black people, right? So we're going to have people who will respond and it'll be the first time I'll ever have to talk about it with non-Black people. Um, and I'm ready to do that now, which is why we're now at this point. Um, Eugenia and I have had these conversations, but that's because Eugenia is my friend. And because I can say to her, I want this to be a thing just for me for a while. And she understands that. Um, and so we want to now 
say, here's the conversations we've been having (laughs) (laughs) between the two of us behind the scenes. And here's the conversations I as a black woman have been having with other black people about this behind the scenes. So let that be the framing of the conversation (laughs) that we're about to have going forward and kind of the boundaries that we're putting around it. Um, So I'm a black woman, as you guys know, (laughs) I am a mother of a black child, a black girl. Um, And she and I have seen the movie in the theaters four times. (laughs) Um, Each time I have gotten completely dressed up (laughs) in African prints of all kinds, in head wraps, dashikis. I went dressed like as like a member of the Black Panther Party at one point. Like I have been (laughs) completely dressed for each time I've seen it in the theaters. The experience of it to sit in front of that screen, I have wept openly all four times I've seen it in the theater. Of course, those two through four, I knew what was going to happen, right? It is not the course of the events of the movie that caused me to cry. And I will try very hard not to cry Um on mic because I don't want my voice to be all over the place, but I cannot promise you guys. Um, But it wasn't so much what happened in the movie that caused me to cry as it was the overwhelming blackness of the movie. There have been other movies, of course, with either all black casts or majority black casts, right? But it was something about not only being an, a majority black cast, although I know Martin Freeman exists in the movie. Um, I know that, and I always want to call him Gollum. Gollum <laughs> is not his name. So Martin Freeman, Andy Circus, right? Yeah. So Andy Circus is Gollum. Yes. And then Martin yes. Freeman, Martin is Freeman Bilbo. was Bilbo, yeah. right? And it was, you know, my daughter and I make that that joke about how all the white people in the movie are hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> like so, we talk about that a lot. Um, <laughs> You know, the 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 Tolkien, the Tolkien white folk. Yeah. So we've made that we've made that joke over and over. But for once, the white people were relegated to the space that black people are usually relegated to in movies. Right. They are the sidekick, the friend. If those two characters have been written out of the movie entirely, the movie could have existed unto itself. Um, Martin Freeman played a part in like the final parts of the movie or whatever, but didn't have to like that battle would have played out the same and could have played out the same without him. Right. Andy Serkis was the villain, but he was dispensed with in the first part of the movie. Right. And so it was, it wasn't that this was my first time seeing an all black cast or majority black cast. It was the overwhelming blackness of it it was the idea that there could be a space for us that's totally for us without any intervention of white people at all ever right like it's it's as if there was an alternate timeline which is something that appeals to us whovians right but there's an alternate timeline where colonization never happened, where slavery never happened, where what would we have been? What could we have been? What could we have looked like? What could we have become 
if they never touched the shores, if they never became a part of our lives, right? And it was the just being inundated with glorious Africanness from every possible quarter, like everybody, all of the people in power are black people, you know, all of the people in the city are black people, the queen, the king, the princess, all black people, the military, not only all black people, but all black women, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Everybody in a position of power, everybody wealthy and brilliant and free the agency of black people with no white gaze at all because white people don't even know that this kind of Wakanda exists right they think of Wakanda as some little third world country That's poor. And the fact that they were able to hide behind white people's idea of what African people are. Hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is what kept them free is allowing white people to believe that black people couldn't be anything more than some little dusty third world country that had nothing to offer the rest of the world. That they were able to blossom by hiding themselves in the guise of stereotypes (laughs) that white people put on us Um, and to see the way that's reflected in my own life. Right. Because I understand, of course, having lived almost 40 years now as a black person, I know what white people think of black people. Right. And what they think about who we are, but I've actually lived almost 40 years as a black person. So I know who we are Mm -hmm. outside of the white gaze. I know what we are. And I know that that literally exists all over the world that there is blackness underneath and beyond the scope of white people that they will never understand because they have an idea of what blackness is and they don't know anything about who we actually are. And they cannot because you'll always be outside of that. Even if you marry into a black family, even if you have black friends, even if you love black people, there is a part of us that you will never know because you can't ever be a part of it. And so to see that on screen, to see it made large, to see it painted in brilliant colors um, is moving in a way that I cannot express. It is moving to me to be able to say, aside from, (laughs) the two white men that we uh, previously talked about to be able to say, I loved every character in the movie. I loved them all and understood them all. Even the one who is supposedly the villain, right? Because Killmonger is supposedly the villain of the movie. He's the least villainous villain I've ever seen. Right. I don't even like to call him Eric or call him a Killmonger because that is a character he built because he wasn't allowed to be who he actually was, which is a part of the Royal family, um, a Wakandan himself, the son of Njobu to be Njadaka himself. He wasn't allowed to do that. Right. He was left behind to be an African-American. I understand this man and what, has been the greatest gift for me from this movie 
aside from how beautiful it is to watch and aside from how fun it has been and aside from getting to dress up and all of the wonderful things that we do, the cosplay and all of that. The thing that's been the biggest gift for me is watching conversations open between African-Americans, Africans who still live on the continent and folks spread throughout the diaspora. The ways we have now started to talk to one another because continental Africans have been able to see this and have heard what Killmonger said and thought to themselves, I never thought about it that way. To approach us and to say, is this how you felt? The conversations I've had where I see a post from a Nigerian man who says, forgive us. Forgive us for not coming for you. Forgive us for playing whatever part we played in you winding up an enslaved person. Forgive us for judging you because you didn't know some of the things that we know. Give us a chance. You know, I've seen I've seen threads from people who just say, come home. We've been waiting for you. To see that happen, the the ways that it has healed some wounds, or at least is starting to, because all of it starts with just learning to understand one another, right? Being heard, because a lot of times as African Americans, we feel so separated from the continent, or even from the rest of black people in the diaspora, right? So we feel separate from folks in the Caribbean, from folks in Latin America, from folks in Europe, like we feel separated, we feel like we're kind of unmoored here sometimes. And so all of a sudden, for walls that have been built, that like holes are being chipped in them, right? Because all of us were able to see ourselves reflected in that movie. All of us see ourselves as being a part of this quilt of Africanness and of blackness. I've even been involved in conversations where African-Americans are now saying to themselves, we are a tribe unto ourselves because we are a thing different now. Um, but at least thinking of yourself as a separate, as a, a distinct tribe is still thinking at, of yourself as a part of the African whole. So, because we know we're used to there being tribes of people in the various African countries. If you can think of yourself that way, then you think I belong to this thing, right? I just happen to live here as opposed to living on the continent. Seeing that, being a part of that, being a part of groups where it's just black people from all over the world. And we're having these discussions um, where people who are from the cultures represented in the movie have been saying, here's what this means. Here's what we do with this thing. Here's what this is about. Um, people who have been translating Kosa for us, people who are saying, here are um, language services where you can learn how to speak all of these different African languages and you can exchange with people who want to learn English and you can learn from them and they can learn from you. And so people have been having those conversations. I've seen friends of mine who have gotten up and like gone to Cuba or they've gone to Nigeria or they've gone to Ghana and they've just met other people from the diaspora and they've just talked to them. Like they've exchanged conversations where I had a friend who said she went to Cuba and black Cubans didn't know 
that black people have a language, a dialect, a patois of our own. Like that was not something that they understood. You know, she was trying to talk to him and he said, I'm sorry, my English isn't so good. And she said, neither is mine. (laughs) Right. Because I speak, you know, African-American vernacular English. And that's not a thing that they knew existed. And the ways that we are meeting each other in small ways and in large ways, it has been life changing. It is life changing. And you don't think about that because it's a movie Mm -hmm. and you think of it as a small thing. You know, it hasn't been a small thing. It isn't a small thing. I think a shift has happened. I think a shift has happened among people of African descent and it's spreading and it's beautiful. And I think that is going to have ripples that going that are going to affect other groups of color, which is so exciting to see. Eugenia and I were just talking. We're going to wind up having an episode because we were talking about Crazy Rich Asians, (laughs) which will be coming out um, and how excited as a black woman I am for Crazy Rich Asians. Right. Because I want to see this movement spread. I want to see it. I want to see all of us caught up in it, right? I want all of us to have the experience that I had. Like I want I want Eugenia as my friend to have that experience for herself and to see what that feels like as an insider and me being able to like watch that and witness it as the outsider. Um like that is something I want people who have been marginalized for so long all of us to experience because we all deserve it. Like all of us deserve to have that feeling of I was centered in this thing. So (sighs) I want to applaud. (laughs) There's so much more to say, of course, like we're going to talk some more, but I just wanted to give you guys a glimpse into what I've been marinating in for the past couple of months. Um, And why it was so important for me to have that before I had a wider conversation with a wider audience. It has been, it's been blissful. It's been blissful. Like I literally said to Eugenia before we started, I'm going to need you to tell me how white folks been reacting to it because I have no idea. I, I haven't entered any threads where there has, has been like mixed involvement. I haven't discussed it in any groups outside of, all black groups. Um, I haven't gone to see it with anybody who isn't black. So every time I've gone, I've taken my daughter and some other black folks. I've seen it in mixed company as in, you know, I'm in a movie theater with non-black folks, but even then the overwhelming majority of the people in the movie theater were black. And so I have just had an entirely black immersive experience and it's been glorious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is my first time having this discussion. And so I want to hand it over to Eugenia just a little bit to talk about what it's like then to experience this as a person who has beloved black family and friends, but not having been black yourself. So then what is you, what was your response? What were your reactions and How did that happen for you? (laughs) Yeah, so it's been very interesting. So many of our listeners know that my husband is black. um, And so and I'm very close to his side of the family. And so um, for me, there's there's a lot of um, 
black culture that I've been sort of a spectator to, mm-hmm. you know, just because of my family connections. And it was very interesting for me, um, especially, you know, knowing Toya, mm-hmm. like us being friends, um, seeing the response um and seeing really like um, what this has meant to the black community mm-hmm. um, and then trying to figure out my own place in it because a lot of it and you know you're always going to want to know where you fit mm-hmm. and I, I started thinking about it and it was kind of a struggle I was like where is my place in this conversation and I was like you know I think the most important thing, the most important lesson um, for the whole world that this movie has to teach is um, to make you think about identity mm. and to think about your own identity. Because one of the things that this movie has done so brilliantly is that it's really clearly defined um, black African identity you know so black african-american identity african identity and all across the diaspora it's done a great job doing that and in doing so it sort of started to redefine everyone else's identities Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. you know it's it's really it's become such a joke um to see like crazy behavior online and then someone go well that's that's you know colonizers you know yes, and yes. really and it's one of those things where these are conversations that need to be had because all of it needs to be contained in one movie you mm-hmm. know like you need to have a movie that clearly defines the um the the main characters the african characters the african american characters within the movie and have them interact with the outside world yes or not or choose not to interact right. with it and so this like that revel that was actually a revelation to me i'm like oh it's about identity mm-hmm. all of it is about identity it's about t'challa's identity as um being the black panther yes. and trying to come into his his father's you know role yes. it's about Killmonger's identity it's about all of these characters identity and you know if it doesn't make you think about what your own identity is you're not watching the movie right yeah yeah <laughs> like at all like, it went it went over your head right <laughs> right and so it, it was really interesting for me because um my first response in seeing this was how much I enjoyed the movie because it's a great movie right but then going you know um you know how cartoons like a lot of things that are made for kids they have the jokes in there for the parents right. you know it's for the like the parents to laugh and the kids go why it was funny right um and so this this felt like that experience because so much of the movie is for black people and mm-hmm. so for me watching it and knowing some of the 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 cultural in jokes and mm-hmm. knowing some of that um and then to go oh i really enjoyed the movie it was really well made i really enjoyed the characters i wanted to see everything in shuri's lab and so much of that was just about how the movie was made yes. you know but it wasn't that emotional experience for yes. me and yeah. a lot of that like it took some time to get to that you know because to see my husband and to see toya like reacting around me and just being like huh and then going i'm not having that but i'm really happy they are yes right you know and i'm really happy that they finally have this and i'm really happy to see the movie again and again and again and again because it's a fantastic movie but you know i am totally happy that that this is that deep 
um, emotional experience for people I right. care about. Right. And that's honestly, that has to be the perspective of anyone, especially those who are not black watching this movie, that it's not for you. Right. You know, it's not, I'm like, it's for you. You can consume it. Feel free. Right. Feel free to add way more to right. the box office numbers. Feel free, but understand that the message is not for you. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to see. Um, I invite, I invite non-black folks, but particularly white folks, right? I invite you to consider that. Like, how does it feel to know that something isn't about you? Mm-hmm. Not that you aren't invited to see it, to participate in the phenomenon, but literally there's nothing in this that's about you, centered around you, or created for you. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. The whole point of it is to allow black people to simply be without any outside interaction without any outside interference even in having Eric Killmonger uh, be the voice of African Americans basically right because he his mother is African American even though we don't see her in the movie and he's raised in America even then the conversations he has are between him and another black person He only talks to black people about this. He doesn't talk to white people about what it feels like to be an African-American person. He talks to African people about what it feels like. So the conversations, the big themes in the movie are about what is it to be African? What is it to be black? What has that meant? What does it mean as it moves around the diaspora? Um, How do we save one another? How do we come back together? It is not a coincidence that they are cousins, that they come from the same family line. Because that's basically how it happened, right? Folks were removed from their country. And so there were actual families who were split, where one brother is stolen and the other brother has stayed. And so... An entire family line has been split. Some of them raised on the continent and some of them aren't. That's what this is now. Like these are in family conversations that we're having. Um, Eugenia knows that I I care very much about genealogy. Um, I've had DNA, DNA testing and all of that to find out that um, the largest percentage of my African ancestry is Nigerian. That's nothing I would ever have known because I don't have in my family anything that feels or is Nigerian. Like I don't have a connection to that very culture. But to now have a place that I can say I am from there, right, that I could go to and say at some point somebody in my family line lived here. And it's from here, from this group of people, we had a way of life. We had a place where we lived. We had a faith practice that belonged to us. All of these things that belonged to us before we hit these shores at all. 
Um, that is a huge thing. It's a huge thing to of people who were told that we basically don't belong anywhere because we live in a country that makes it very clear that they don't want us here. Um, and they do it by basically slaughtering us in the streets or um, relegating us to places that no, you know, self-respecting white person would dare go um, or to just making us their entertainers and they're the ones who um, play the sports, right? Um, you're the ones who sing and dance for us and play sports and entertain us. Um, so we're not wanted here. And then you, so where do I belong? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it is amazing to think of yourself as part of a wider family and to think of yourself as having a place having a place in this larger group of African people. Life changes when you stop thinking of yourself as just a black person and you start thinking of yourself as like an African person who happens to live in America. Mm -hmm. You start thinking of African American as an actual thing and not just a title you've been given. And this movie has actually helped us to see how much of what is African-American culture is actually African. Mm -hmm. That I've talked to people from the continent who say, we aren't that different. Like, you still remember. Like, we've talked about, I've talked about ancestor memory with people. I've talked about the ways that we took the things that were ours from the continent and they're still here. So... Like for my family line, my family is South Carolinian. Um, my paternal family is. So there's Jollof rice, which everybody knows is a thing that's in, you know, West African cultures. There's Nigerian Jollof. There's Ghana Jollof. I want to say there's some other, like there are other countries that all say we have the best Jollof rice, right? And you think of that as being an African thing. But in my life, I ate red rice. And when you look at the recipe, Red rice and jollof rice mm. are like the same thing. The name has just changed, mm-hmm. right? In in my experience in my community in the southeast, we have uh, practices called hoodoo, right? And in hoodoo, there is a man who lives at the crossroads. There's a deity that's called the Black Man of the Crossroads, and you find out. That in different places throughout the diaspora, the black man of the crossroads is Alegba. He's Eshu. He's Papa Legba. Like all throughout the diaspora, that same deity exists and he just has different names. That the things that belong to us, our dances, our food, the rhythms of drums are the same all over the world. Wherever you find black people, you find those things. We aren't as far dispersed as we would have thought. We had been told that we were different from these people only to now find out because the world is becoming smaller through technology and being able to talk to one another that we really aren't. We really aren't that different, that the dances are all the same. The music feels the same. The food tastes the same. Like there are so many parts of us that is so deeply African, even things like hairstyles that are so deeply 
entrenched in Africanness and we didn't know that because we didn't have any way of talking to one another. That is wonderful. Like it is, it's a healing balm. When you have been told that you are a minority and then you realize you ain't in the minority in the world. Mm -hmm. You're just in the minority here. If you start counting up all the folks throughout the world, white folks are in the minority. Way, 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 way in the minority. People of color are the majority of the people in this world. And the ways we have been weaponized against one another in in favor of defending white supremacy. Because if you can keep us turned on one another, we do not become a unified force against it. That is that is something that will change your life. When you stop thinking of yourself as a minority, it changes your life. Mm-hmm. It really does. And I think what I've noticed in whatever few interactions I've seen, um, particularly from white folks around this movie, is that they don't know what to do with the idea that there are some places that you are not wanted, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that everybody thinks those other white folks are the colonizers, right? right? So I've had conversations where people have, you know, tried to give me the Wakanda salute or, you know, have said, I want to go to Wakanda. You know, <laughs> we should all just go to Wakanda. And I've had to say, Okay, so the point of Wakanda mm-hmm. is that you would never get to go. <laughs> like, that is the whole idea, is that you would never get to go there. Oh, no, 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 no. They don't want colonizers there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Notice who was called colonizer <laughs> in the movie. Yep. When Shuri was talking to the colonizer, who was she talking to, yep. right? <laughs> because even when, Kill- when Killmonger came, they didn't call him a colonizer. No. Now, they might have called him an outsider. They might have said he's not Wakandan, but they did not call him a colonizer. Mm-hmm. The person who was given the title of colonizer was the white man. Right. And one of the things that I loved, too, in seeing that is how each character said colonizer differently. Yes. And that's something that is really, really, it, that makes a very, very important point. Yes. Is that, okay, you might think you're one of the good ones that's not racist, but you and you as in your identity, you are a colonizer. You're a colonizer. Because I loved um, Shuri. I loved the way that she said it. Like when, uh, when uh, what's his name, woke up and she yeah, was Don't like, scare me, colonizer. colonizer. Yeah. yeah, I was really joking. Um, like uh, Okoye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love her response was really just completely like, like you're a bug under contempt, her complete uh-huh. contempt. contempt. Yeah. And then T'Challa, like he's someone that would look at, even individual like colonizers as individuals yes which is very interesting but they're all still colonizers they are all still colonizers and that is the point and so if you are not getting that again you are not watching you're not watching the movie correctly (laughs) like i i can't believe i had to explain that to people (laughs) you know i've had to tell people you're not you didn't see the same movie i did um 
if you didn't notice that, right? And that is a thing, like this movie has important messages for all of us, right? So Eugenia has talked about the messages it had for her as somebody who loves black people and is even related to black people, but is not a black person. I've talked about what it means for me as an African-American woman. So I am a black person. I'm a person of African descent, but I am not a continental African. So what that has meant for me as a black person in the diaspora, I've talked about some reactions I've seen from continental Africans. And so it's all about like, as Eugenia said earlier, identity and the way we see ourselves reflected in this movie, the positions we have. And so I think for the first time, there are many white folks who have to say, where do I fit here? Because never before have you had to say, what is my position? Because your position has always been there. Like you've always been a part of everything. Yeah. And this is the first time you have to say, am I wanted here? And the answer is no. (laughs) Let let me just make that clear for you. Right. The answer is no. How does that feel? Mm-hmm. And I say that with a huge smile on my face. <laughs> How's that feeling? How's that working out for you? Right? Does it feel fun? Mm-hmm. Does it feel comfortable? Because I know the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Right? If you understood the message of the movie at all, if you didn't just let it go over your head, if you didn't just look at it as another superhero movie, if you really let it resonate with you, if you've really thought about it, you should be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you should feel unwanted. Mm -hmm. And then you should understand what that means and why, Mm -hmm. why would you be unwanted? Why would you be uncomfortable? Why would you be a colonizer? And think about that and like extrapolate that to your wider life. Mm -hmm. Right. So don't think because Wakanda before any of you say this to me, (laughs) Wakanda is a place that doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. But the themes of the movie are very real. Mm -hmm. There are places where you would not be welcome. Mm -hmm. There are places where you cannot enter. There are places where you are always an outsider. And there are places throughout the world, which is basically every place throughout the world, where your folks have been colonizers Mm -hmm. and what does that mean Mm -hmm. when we have discussions about ownership about cultural appropriation that's what those conversations are about Mm -hmm. because people of color throughout the world have not been allowed free ownership of the things that are ours Mm -hmm. of the things that we have created And you feel that you have free access or that you should have free access or that people should be flattered that you want to be a part of their stuff. Where is that in your life? Mm -hmm. Right. Eugenia and I are belly dancers. Mm -hmm. We've seen this Mm -hmm. over and over and over. I've seen dancers say, well, we're saving belly dance from the people who don't even want it anymore. Like those those pitiful Middle Eastern people, those pitiful African folks, those pitiful Muslims, like we're the ones who understand how great this is and we're saving it for them. We're elevating it for them. And you're supposed to feel honored and flattered. 
I've seen that as a black woman over and over and over when they talk about hairstyles or fashion styles or we're using your language. Um, there's there is a T-shirt out that I was like, I have to get it. And I haven't gotten it yet, but it says ghetto until you say it's fashion. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Because everything that is black and primarily black women, mm-hmm. black women are the pushers of fashion. Mm -hmm. We are the creators of fashion and darn it. We pretty much the creators of pop culture in America, Mm -hmm. right? Black women have done all of the things that eventually become a huge fashion, right? So boxer braids ain't nothing but the cornrows that black women had always been wearing, right? Uh, All of these long nails that everybody has now with all the glitter and the rhinestones and stuff, you can't see me. But if you could, I have long coffin shaped nails with (laughs) rhinestones and such on them. I've had nails like this since I was 15 years old. It's a new phenomenon Mm -mm. in the wider culture, right? The clothes, the way we rock our stuff. These are the things that we have always done. But it's ghetto when we do it. Mm. It isn't fashionable until it has been taken by the wider mainstream culture and made a thing. That there is what we mean when we say you appropriate the things that are ours and try to make them yours. Mm -hmm. You give no credit to the people who created them. You give no power to the people who created them. They ain't a thing until it's yours. Look, Eugenia is Chinese. I'm sure she could tell you 85 things (laughs) off of the top of her head that white folks think she should be super excited that they want to be a part of or that they know more about than she does. Right. And that's that is what it's like to be a person of color. Right. It's that's what it's like. It's to see our things taken, bastardized, watered down and then trying to be resold to us as some brand new elevated thing as if we haven't been doing this thing our whole life all of these highfalutin elevated soul food places where they're making all kinds of stuff and they're calling it all kinds of newfangled things as if our grandmothers like my grandmother my mother our like people going back hundreds of years haven't been cooking this very same stuff and we were being told that we were eating scraps and we were eating things that were horribly you know unhealthy for us but now there are all kinds of fancy restaurants built around it kale is a thing people have found i've been eating kale since time immemorial because that was one of the greens that we ate right and that people raised in their backyards but now all of a sudden it's the new superfood like it's a big thing and so what is that like to know that you're part of a culture that does that to other people and then tries to make it seem as if we are backwards or less intelligent or somehow inferior to you and your folks Mm -hmm that you have made things on the backs of other people, Mm -hmm. including this country that we live in, right? Mm -hmm. For once, we were the rich, the brilliant, the leaders. Mm -hmm. And it was lovely. Mm -hmm. It was lovely to just not 
even see white faces there. It was mm-hmm. lovely. Um, Cause there isn't a day in my life where I have that. Right. You can't leave your house. Like that. You can't turn on the television. Like you, there's never a day in my life that I have that to have it for two or three hours in a movie theater was just beautiful. It really, <laughs> really was. It was beautiful to laugh at jokes and know that those jokes are written for us by somebody who knows us because he is one of us himself. Yeah. Right. It is beautiful to watch videos of Ryan Coogler talking about the choices he made for this movie mm-hmm. and why he made those choices. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful to see T'Challa and Okoye and oh God, the fact that I am talking off the top of my head and I'm forgetting Nakia. Nakia. Nakia, yes. Sorry, Nakia. One of my best friends is named Nakia. So the <laughs> fact that I even had a brain fart about that, she's going to be pissed. Sorry, Nakia. <laughs> um, to watch them be the Pan-African flag walking into that casino and that to be something that we noticed immediately, mm-hmm. which probably went over a whole bunch of other people's heads at first, right? But to see them as the red and the black and the green all of the time, mm-hmm. it was wonderful. And it was wonderful to know what those colors mean, what right. they mean for black folks. Like tiny, tiny, tiny little things like that. To have Killmonger say to that lady in the museum, how do you think your ancestors got it? Oh, God, that scene. Right? Oh, my God. And in that moment, he's supposed to be the villain. But in that moment, he speaks for every black mm-hmm. person who says like, why do you believe that you own something that is African? Mm-hmm. Where did you get this from? Mm-hmm. And why haven't you returned it to the people mm-hmm. who created it? Mm-hmm. Like it is nothing I'll ever be able to explain to people who are not black. Like I'm trying my best to talk to you now and I hope that you're getting an idea of how I feel, but it's so, it's so hard to ever explain this to anybody that you just you're never going to experience it in the ways that black people experience it and that's on purpose Mm -hmm. and it's a wonderful thing and it's something that I think we need to get used to yep more yep is just allowing ourselves to sit with the idea that the world does not exist for us. Yeah. Right. And that at some point and in some place, you're always going to be the person on the outside. Yep. And black folks are used to that. Like we're used to being the people on the outside. So having other people be the outsiders is wonderful for once. Right. And it's, it's very interesting. Like again, when people have missed the point, I I don't understand how, because (laughs) the entire Jabari tribe, Let's talk about the entire Jabari tribe. Yes. What do they say? You don't you speak do not here. speak here. <laughs> so, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's not somebody else. Right. It's you. It's you. You. <laughs> you. Like he literally says, you do not speak here. And he did not say that to Queen Ramonda Mm-mm. or to Shuri or to Nakia. He did not tell them you do not speak here. He did say to Shuri, you don't make the decisions here, mm-hmm. girl. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in charge here. But he doesn't tell them they cannot no. speak. He says to that white man, you don't even speak here, mm-hmm. yes. right? Because even though the Jabari have removed themselves from the rest of the tribes who formed Wakanda, there is their common Africanness. Mm-hmm. And that here in this place, black people speak. Right. You shouldn't even exist in this place. Like, we are suffering you to live. You right. shouldn't even be here. Right. So... You better act as if you're invisible. Right. Do not speak. 
And it was wonderful. Like even that little moment and to see him shut up like, oh, <laughs> or I will feed you to my children. No, just kidding. We are vegetarians. <laughs> but I mean, just how many times have you wanted to say that to somebody? Do not speak here. Mm-hmm. I actually have that saved as a meme. Like I have the the Winston Duke sitting on the throne saved as a meme and it just says like roo, roo, roo. <laughs> and it like just do not speak here you know that he was not only told you don't speak here but he was drowned out right. like even when he tried mm-hmm. we will just drown you out mm-hmm. you are not allowed mm-hmm. um yeah yeah like i don't even know how to just keep going i I told Eugenia, we could be here for three hours. Like once you just start me going, I'm just going to talk about it forever. And of course we cannot do that. Right. Right. So let's talk about a little bit. Yes. Just before, you know, because we've talked about a lot of the love around it. Now let's talk about, you know, we've already mentioned the idea of identity. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about, you know, some of non-black responses to this movie. Yes. (laughs) So like Toya said, um, she has thankfully <laughs> kept myself away from all of that so that my head didn't explode. Right. There were a couple instances, though, like you said, of, um, you know, uh, people on your list, just, you know, everyone uh, wanting to join in, mm-hmm. you know, and how much, uh, you know, you're especially I have right in front of me this example, the M'Baku's Boo example. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So M'Baku. I, I'm fairly sure it goes for black women. Yeah. And just be honest. <laughs> Mbaku himself de- yeah. definitely I'm does. I'm pretty yes. sure he does. <laughs> Mbaku and Winston Duke himself <laughs> go for black women. Yeah. So, you know, there's as much as, you know, this is a movie. We all got to see it. Yay. Yeah. But think about, you know, the people in the movie. Think about yeah. the cat or the the um, characters. The characters, yeah. And think about where you sit with that. <laughs> yes, yes. Because, you know, um, it's just been very interesting to see some of the responses um, and uh, especially to, yes, the, the cast is very attractive. They're beautiful. They're absolutely yes. beautiful people. Yes. But that's um, not all they have to offer. Exactly. <laughs> and like... The, there's been so much focus because you were mentioning this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been so much focus on how they all look. Yes, like, particularly the men. Particularly the but men. But yes. Um, and it's just been, you know, a lot of the conversation that centers around this Mbaku's boo mm-hmm. ca- like type of thing. Yeah, type yes. of thing has been very much like Okay, so let's talk about you and how you were fetishizing yes. this. And where is the line, right? Yeah. Because there's a difference between, of course, we're all going to appreciate and possibly beautiful people, right? right? Winston Duke is... Ugh, <laughs> See, I'm making the noise again. Um, <coughs> Michael Bakari Jordan, call me. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's beautiful. Chad is beautiful, right? Yes. So Daniel Daniel. Um, so these are, we have beautiful people. Lupita is gorgeous and Denai is gorgeous. And Angela Bassett is beautiful. And Letitia Wright, like they have, they picked like some of the most beautiful black people who exist on the planet to play these characters. And of course they did, right? Because you pick stars. These are superheroes. They should look impossible. Right. Right. But where is the line between saying, oh, these are really beautiful people. This is very attractive. And you have now become somebody who is fetishizing blackness, mm-hmm. particularly these men, right? Mm-hmm. And so as Eugenia is saying, I'm wearing a shirt that says Umbaku's Boo. Um, and it's by adorned by 
chi. I want to say chi, but it might be chai. It's C H I. I just want to. I want to say that in case, <laughs> in case um, she is listening, and I want her to know that I have given her due rights um, as <laughs> as the designer of this shirt. But there's a whole series of it. Mm-hmm. So there's like Mbaku's boo. I think T'Challa's one says like T'Challa makes me holla. And, <laughs> and the other one says like Killmonger's queen. Right. Mm-hmm. So there are the three big male characters in the movie. Um, each has a shirt. Right? right. I was talking about buying my Mbaku's boo t-shirt. I was talking about it on my timeline or, you know, on Facebook or whatever. And I had a white woman who said to me, oh, I'm getting all three of them. And I said, no, ma'am. Mm-mm. no ma'am do not get that and she did not understand why she should not have those t-shirts and I was like then you did not watch the movie yes because the idea of Wakanda is that there are no white women <laughs> in it you are not Mbaku's boo yes. and you never will be. you will not be you ain't Killmonger's queen right Killmonger is showing as having a love interest in the movie but she's, she's black, black. Yes. right the one who T'Challa makes holla is Nakia. Okay. <laughs> All of these are black women. Oh, and if we talk about the comics, Storm too. Storm, but, right. Yes. So who at some also point, black? also black, right? <laughs> All of the women in this movie are black. All all of the white people in this movie are men. Yeah. There's the well, one I, white woman at the museum. Yeah, that's but the like only the one. actual named characters, the only white people in it are men right Mm -hmm. there are no white women or women of anything except african descent positioned as the beautiful the desirable the love interest Mm -hmm. they are not right and so to have black women centered Mm -hmm. as the beautiful ones right the one that the king wants is a dark-skinned woman with short natural hair Mm -hmm. right nakia He's so taken by her, a king. He's so taken by her that he freezes <laughs> and noticeably so. Like after he has like killed however many men and he comes upon her in the jungle and Nakia. <laughs> hi. Like He becomes 12 in her presence. Right. Okoye is a huge warrior. Right. And the like the general of the king's guard. Mm-hmm. But she is loved by a black man. Mm-hmm. Queen Ramonda, her husband has been killed, but she was the queen to a black man. Mm-hmm. The women in the movie are black women. It is not okay to position yourself in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. That is not to say that you can't think that Chadwick Bozeman is handsome. Everybody thinks it, okay? We all know he's good looking, <laughs> yeah. right? But at no point should you think to yourself, I am putting myself in that position. No, Mm ma'am, you do not exist there. And you should not reduce these actors to the way they look. Mm -hmm. You have now taken it from just appreciating the form of a person to making them a fetish. Mm -hmm. It's just about their blackness and their bodies. It's not about the story they told. It's not about the characters they play. Believe me when I say that black women see the same thing you do. We think those men are beautiful too, right? <laughs> those of us who like men. Mm-hmm. Even those of us who don't particularly dig men in a sexual sense can look at them and be like, 
good looking dudes, right? Mm -hmm. We see that too. The difference is the parts they played are also of importance Mm -hmm. to us. It's not just about what they look like. Part of why we have had such a reaction to Winston Duke, aside from the fact that he's six foot five and built like a bleep bleep. (laughs) I was about to say some stuff that would not be PG-13. Built like a brick bleep house. (laughs) Right? Aside from that, and you know, his beautiful smile, part of what made him so attractive to us is because he was the king of the Jabari and what that represented, right? A group of people who have tradition and the love of their country at the center of them. A group of people who are warriors and not just the men, because in the fight scenes, you see Jabari women Mm -hmm. out there fighting alongside the men. And those women too are shaped like the men, strong, powerfully built women. That is what is attractive, right? Chadwick Boseman isn't attractive just because of what he looks like. I actually say to, I've said that I think he's funny looking. He's weird looking, but he's impossibly (laughs) sexy. Why? Because of who he is of because he's a king Mm -hmm. and a leader and a king and a leader who knows and recognizes that he could not have that position without the backing of black women. Mm -hmm. Yep. A king and a leader who wants a black woman by his side and who has only black women fighting for his life. So when he's calling on somebody to cover his back, He's calling black women Mm -hmm. when he's calling somebody to stand by his side. He's calling black women when he's calling somebody to stand in front of him. He's calling black women. Mm -hmm. Shuri is the reason why he can do the things he does. Yes. Because she creates that suit. Mm -hmm. She creates those weapons. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. He has the strength of the Black Panther. But a lot of what he does is off the strength of his sister's Mm -hmm. brilliance. A younger sister, a teenage girl Mm -hmm. who he treats with respect. Mm -hmm. He acknowledges the strength of her intelligence. He doesn't try to take that role. He gives it to her. Mm -hmm. She is the reason why Wakanda is the technological marvel that it is. Mm -hmm. It's because of a 16-year-old black girl Mm -hmm. that she is the most brilliant person on the planet. Mm -hmm. That she puts Iron Man to shame. Mm -hmm. That she thinks the thing he has are cute little toys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> right. So, yes. So so last night, I did get to go see Infinity War. I have not seen it no, yet. Do I'm not, not spoil it for me. No, I'm not no talking spoilers. to Eugenia. Yes. I'm talking to y'all. Like, yes. don't, no don't send me any messages. No spoilers. However, <laughs> in that, Bruce Banner mm. does acknowledge that Shuri is more brilliant than he is. So he, of seven PhDs, mm-hmm. acknowledges that this black woman mm-hmm. who is 16 years 16. old has a leg up on all things science te- yes. technology over him. Yes. And so like that is one of the main themes of the movie as well, particularly for us as black women is to see something that we've never seen before, where we are placed as the beautiful ones, the desirable ones, the beloved ones, the strong ones, the fierce ones, the protector and the most brilliant people on earth. That's something I've never seen. Right. Um, And not only black women, but dark skinned black Mm -hmm. women with natural hair. That's something I've never seen. Like Okoye is a bald head. Like she has no hair at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet she is loved 
by a man now wakabi winds up going completely left right but but he i mean you know well he ain't had no choice at that point she was gonna (laughs) kill him for wakanda but (laughs) but he is a man in a position of power right? right he sits on the council on the king's council he is the representative of his tribe on the council so mm-hmm. he is a person of power mm-hmm. and she is the beloved of that man mm-hmm. nakia is the beloved of the king ramonda was the beloved of the king shuri is the most intelligent person in the whole world it's a whole thing do not then take that thing and try to place yourself yeah. in it like and don't center yourself um yes you can say that so-and-so is handsome, right? Mm -hmm. Or that Lupita is beautiful or whatever. But do not reduce these people to their bodies. Don't leave out the characters that these people have played. Don't leave out what this means to us. Mm -hmm. The actors themselves know. Mm -hmm. I've seen interview after interview after interview. I've seen interviews where Chadwick cries because he understands how important it is for black people. um, That Lupita and Denai talk about what they represent as these warrior women, um, these defenders of the throne of the country, um, these defenders of blackness of, Mm -hmm. of Africanness and what that means for black people. Um, Don't discount that. Don't brush that away. Don't leave that out of your conversations about this movie do not reduce these these black people to their bodies and one of the things i was really pleased to see in this past week um was a a conversation with winston duke who is one of the breakout stars of this movie Mm -hmm. with a fairly small part (coughs) as umbaku um but he became this huge star again because he's very handsome but also because he's so charismatic and because he took what could have been a small part and parlayed it into a star making role right And somebody talked to him about what it's like to be this huge heartthrob now. Like, you're a sex symbol. What's that like? And what he says is, black women did this. Mm -hmm. They did this for me. And not only did they do this for me, but that it means something to me that black women are the ones who are saying that I'm beautiful. They're the ones who are saying I'm attractive. Mm -hmm. And that is a humbling experience and an honor for me. Mm -hmm. So... That is something that should not be removed from the discussions of the movie. You ain't Mbaku's boo. Mm-hmm. You ain't Killmonger's queen. <laughs> nope. T'Challa not about to holler for you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. Yes. It's fine. Let yes. folks have things. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's been interesting seeing some other responses and i i told toy i was gonna save this mm, oh god okay so this is podcast. a fr- this is my fresh ears and i'm hearing this so i apologize in advance for my reaction if i say something that is un pg-13 okay go. yeah because this one it shocked the heck out of me and oh, i no. was just oh, like god. are you are you serious right now um so uh so my family we just went to um uh, Florida for my brother-in-law's wedding um, and we went for the first time well for the first time for my husband and my stepdaughter um, Disney they'd never ever been oh, wow. I went I went for the fir- last time maybe 25 30 years ago <laughs> so, 
Wow. (laughs) It's been a long time. But um, so we went back and we got the chance to um, go to Animal Kingdom, which I was very excited Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. I'd never been. Um, And it's really interesting. Um, You know, we we spent a lot of time actually in the Africa portion Mm -hmm. of it Um, because there was a lot of entertainment there. We were seeing the Lion King show. We were going on the the um, the safari part. And so there are roving performers there. Yeah, there was a, a crew of uh, African acrobats, I okay. guess we'll mm-hmm. call them. And they were in traditional dress mm-hmm. um, and doing a lot of amazing like stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that um, portion was over, and these are, you know, actually African people from Africa. Yeah. So um, afterwards, they were um, available for pictures. And okay. so my stepdaughter wanted a picture with them. And so it was very cute. Um, and then as we were leaving and I was starting to get everything um, like wrapped up and uh, ready to, to move on to our next thing, uh, my husband goes, uh, that that white guy made him do the, the Wakanda forever <laughs> gesture. <laughs> And I was just like, I stopped in my tracks and yelled, no. (laughs) And my husband didn't have the same response that I did because my husband was just sort of like, oh, it's a thing that happened, you know. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was just like, no, that is not for him to do. And this is an actual African person from from a country in Africa that has his own traditions. Right. And like, no, like trying to distill him down to this fictional place in yeah. this movie. Yes, right. we love this movie, but right. you are a white man right. trying to ask an African, an actual African to man perform to you. perform for you yeah. for your picture. No, unacceptable. So I, I was, I just, no. Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> I'm really glad that I did not like just blurt out a cuss word right now because <laughs> that's what I was thinking. But I, I've had similar experiences yes. and I talked to Eugenia about the fact that when we went to see the movie um, the first time, my daughter and I, there's a was a huge display in the middle of the theater um, of all of the, the stars of the movie. And, you know, it says Wakanda forever on it and everything. And so my daughter and I both took pictures in front of the big backdrop thing doing the salute. And then, like, a huge group of white guys. So I, it had to have been 20 or 30 of them, mm-hmm. right? Who, I guess, all went together. All are get in front of the backdrop. And they all do the salute, right? And they're taking pictures. And they're, like, yelling out, Wakanda! And they're taking the pictures, doing the salute. And my daughter and I are leaving. And I just kind of throw them, like, a glance of disdain. But as we're walking past, she goes... Nah, because y'all wouldn't be welcome there, colonizers. <laughs> and I looked at her and I pulled her into a hug and kissed her. And then we both put up the black power fist and walked on out. Like that thing is kind of what I'm talking about, that you're placing yourself in the middle of a thing that is not for you and it's not yours. And these are the ways that you tend to run over other people. So you tend to run over people of color. That man probably thought he was doing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. wrong. But you have now reduced that man, that African man to a character. Mm-hmm. You have made him do something that he might not even know what the hell that right. is. 
or if he does, it has no relation to all of the amazing things he had just performed. Mm-hmm. Right. But again, we are your entertainers. Mm-hmm. We are the people who have been put here to be fun for you. Right. That you could come out of a movie that literally says white people don't belong here because they are colonizers. And then to do the salute of the people who say you don't belong here and not to see anything completely ludicrous about that is mind blowing. Mm -hmm. It's mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so again, let this not be a thing that makes you think, well, then screw black people then. Like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Instead, let this be an invitation to you to think about the ways in which you step foot into other people's spaces mm-hmm. and to think about the ways you can minimize the damage and the intrusiveness of places you go and to think about the fact that there are millions and mil- billions of folks whose lives whose cultures do not revolve around you mm-hmm. and don't even include you and that's a fine thing it's just it's fine mm-hmm. right because that's supposed to be the idea of the world mm-hmm. that there are so many different kinds of people and there are so many different places where people like you don't exist or don't play a huge part in what goes on there. It is not reassuring for me when, when white people say, well, isn't that, isn't that what we all want is to share each other? No, Mm -mm. we don't all want to share each other's things. We don't. And at least there's a difference between sharing and taking Mm -hmm. something or insinuating yourself Mm -hmm. somewhere sharing is done when the person who owns it invites you in Mm -hmm. it's not you walking in and taking it Mm -hmm. and saying you're sharing this with me Mm -mm. that's called theft Mm -hmm. those are two different things so if you learn anything from this podcast episode (laughs) Let it be that one, I am Mbaku's boo. You ain't. (laughs) And two, (laughs) the differences between sharing and theft. Learn it. Learn it well. We hope to see you at Black Panther 2. Yeah. Wait, what? Eugenia's giving me, she's giving me a finger. Not that finger. No, 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 no. (laughs) Well, so I did want to talk really quick yeah. about, um, you know, one of the one of the things that we're seeing happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, we did see it happen right after the movie came out, too. Mm. Um, you know, at, being an Asian woman, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the Asian response. Yes, let's. To Black Panther. Let's. Um, you know, before before we finish. Before we wrap all the <laughs> way up. We've been talking, we were it's like we've been talking forever. <laughs> but go. But yes. So it's been very interesting. Um, seeing some of the responses to mm. this, you know, both from Asian Americans and um, from uh, like Asians worldwide. Yeah. You know, and it's 
I think around the time um, the movie came out, some uh, an Asian American writer. Um, what did he call it again? It was he his- said that um, Black Panther is my first Asian Asian superhero or yeah, something like that. Yeah. So um, no, <laughs> the, the <laughs> no. response to that is no. Yeah. He is a black superhero. Yes. And it's very interesting because um, so we are a couple months away from um, uh, the movie Crazy Rich Asians yes, coming yes. out, and it's <laughs> we are seeing people left we're seeing Asians mm. left right and center trying to call it our our Black Panther yeah, yeah our Black Panther and this grates on me so much and it's very interesting so there's a um, there's a there's someone on Twitter who I'd never seen before because I'm not a Twitter person mm-hmm. but he tweeted something that I was I completely was like yes that's exactly the issue where um, so the the guy is um at no totally i think is his name mm-hmm. studio glibly is mm-hmm. his um is his uh name his screen name yeah, yeah screen name um see this is how not twitter i am <laughs> i but, am the twitter person in yeah. this duo <laughs> well yes you are <laughs> i was like and i already follow him so. <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm so i was like i know who that is uh but he really called out that um there is uh a tendency for asian americans like we're all trying to figure out how we fit in you know like all people of color in the u.s are really trying to figure out where we fit well there's a tendency across asian americans to try to be a part of black led movements Mm. without doing any of the labor Mm. and without being uh, without being supportive of the actual movement Mm -hmm. and there's a huge tendency and it's very interesting because like when i was a kid i always um like sort of look down on um, Asian Americans that really clearly wanted to be black. Mm. Like I was like, no, 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 no. You don't get to say girl, you don't get to, <sighs> to turn your baseball cap around and play like Tupac out your rice mobile <laughs> and have it be like you, like you're not included. I'm sorry. Right, right. It's just not. No. And so this, this is a tendency and we are seeing it with black Panther. Yes. So no black Panther and Asian Americans are two different things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't have to say this, but no, we're, we're two completely different things. It's great. It's great if you looked at Black Panther and said, this is something that a a group, a POC group can hope to achieve someday. Yes. It is great. It is great to have that as a bar that you might be able to reach. But let it be that. Do not try to appropriate that. That is unacceptable. You don't get to do that. You don't speak here. Right. I'm sorry. You don't. You don't get to do that. And it's just like... It's frustrating to me because, um, you know, I, I, I feel both sides of it because mm. I feel like having grown up Asian American in the U.S., I feel that need to really want to find somewhere yes. to fit. Yeah. Like, I know exactly what that is. I know so many of us feel very alone because, you know, um, we we don't we're too we're too American for our answer for our relatives overseas and we're too exotic for, for here. Yes. But black Panther is black Panther. It is for black people that it should make you think about your identity and it should give you a goal to work for. Get, get in the, the studio, get 
get, you know, sit at your desk, write, produce, work on something that could be Black Panther, but it is not yours. And you don't get to claim that title mm. until you make something that is as meaningful. Right. You yeah. don't get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that is, I, Eugenie and I were talking about it before we started recording about that and about how, um, I saw a, a, an article or a tweet from an Asian American woman who said, um, I hope you guys are going to come out in force for crazy rich Asians the way you did for Black Panthers. So basically pointing that at black people and tell, and I told her that my response to that is Black Panther became what it was because black people said to ourselves, talk to each other about the ways we were going to mobilize behind it and support that movie. Mm -hmm. Right. So no black person I know who has seen Black Panther has seen it once in the theaters. Mm -hmm. All of us have gone multiple times because we were determined that we were going to make this a watershed moment, mm -hmm. right? We wanted to show the world that when you allow black people to make movies about black people for black people, that becomes a huge thing. It's a phenomenon. It can bring in and the money. It can bring in the audiences, right? So we did that. And what I want to see it's for other groups of color to do that too, mm -hmm. right? So that they then talk to one another mm -hmm. the same way, right? And you rally together. And so that people say, not only did I go see Crazy Rich Asians in the theater one time, I went and saw that thing five times, mm -hmm. right? Because then you mobilize your own movement in the same ways you've seen other people mobilize mm -hmm. a movement, right? Yeah. Instead of saying, then I expect y'all to show up for me the way you showed up for each other. That is not to say that we won't because I absolutely <laughs> intend to go see the movie in yes. the theaters. Right. And I'm super excited about it. Of course, I'm also sappy. So I'm like, Oh, it's romance. <laughs> right. So I'm super excited about it. But what you can't do is feel like you are owed mm -hmm. something, right? Like black people are not beholden to anybody else and they don't have to do the labor for anybody else's movement, right. right? And so what I think is important is that we create things for ourselves and then we invite other people to be a part of that, mm -hmm. right? And so Black Panther was a black person, like it was black folk led movement. Right. That of course, a whole bunch of other people joined that movement and loved it. Mm -hmm. And I wanna see that happen all over the place. But you are not guaranteed black folks involvement mm -hmm. or black folks labor mm -hmm. on behalf of other folks. Right. Like it's not fair. And it's something we've been expected to do from time. Like right. it's been something that folks have always felt like we should have access to everything that is yours. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I was, I totally understood what Eugenia was talking about when she said that. And I was like, yeah, I've seen it too. Right. right. And it, and it can be, it can be off putting. Mm -hmm. It can be off putting. Um, although it didn't make me angry. It just kind of frustrated me. Like, Oh, are you serious? It's right. <laughs> like, we can't have something. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and given the 
international response to Black Panther. Mm. You know, um, it's it's not like the international East Asian response to mm. it has not been something that's positive. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for the most part, they see it just as another um, superhero movie. Mm-hmm. If if they see it in a positive light, if they don't see it in a positive light where the Chinese visibly did not. Yeah. Um, you know, that's something that. You know, when when you are as an Asian American asking for African American support mm-hmm. for something that your family in Asia did not support African right. Americans for, no, right. you know, I'm sorry, that's the weirdest and dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. Yeah, like, it's like, why would you expect us to be like, oh sure, we're going we're going to you know ride for these folks who was like, ill, this movie is like gross and dark, and yeah. everybody in it is black. <laughs> Like, it's like yeah, on. everybody in it is black. <laughs> that is, in That's fact, the, the point. point. The yes, thank you. Yeah, thank so, you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I, and I have like I've heard kind of like I've read articles or whatever. Or I've I've heard for folk from folks about those kinds of reactions. But again, I've insulated myself right. so much that I'm like. Just about every po- reaction I've heard about Black <laughs> Panther has been a positive one because I only been talking to black folks, yes. like, and we all love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I I have insulated myself on purpose, and so thankfully, uh, this conversation is the first time I'm like, ew, that's what folks have been saying. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> sorry, know? it's so fine. Sorry. Like it doesn't it doesn't hurt my feelings right. because I'm like, we know what to expect, right? Right, um, and people of color. In general, like we know, we Mm -hmm. know what to expect from other folks when we have something that's focused on us or whatever. Um, Black people, we know what to expect from other groups of folks uh, in relation to black things. Mm -hmm. Like, so none of this is a shock. Right. Um, And I think it's easier for me because I've had these weeks of insulation and just being completely happy about it and being able to talk about it all the time. I'm still doing Wakanda forever posts on Facebook. <laughs> yes. Like in the end of April, like it's almost <laughs> May. This movie has been out for like two and a half months and I'm still putting up Wakanda forever posts. And I don't know when I will stop. No, and I don't care. To. You know, especially since there are more Black Panther movies coming. So yes. you're just going to see Wakanda forever posts yes. forever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yes. forever. And that's fine. You know, um, yeah. If Harry Potter posts are still happening, what, like 20 years after right. the movies or some junk? then I can absolutely be put in <laughs> yeah. the Wakanda Forever pose like for the next five years at yeah. least. So, yeah. Are there more things? No, that- I think that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Like, I can't believe how long we've talked about all so, of this. It feels a little funny to try to end this the way we normally do. I know, with like but, our, who refer- yes. our Who reference, but it's the way we end all of our episodes. Yes. So, I mean, I guess we could still do that or... or or I could say, you know what, for this, le- this here episode, my sign off to you all is going to be Wakanda forever. Yes. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.